0: Thanks for listening to the Hortonville Alliance Church Podcast. Just a heads up, there's a little bit of an issue with the audio, but this message is worth sharing. So stick around to hear from Pastor Brian Episcopo. It hasn't been said yet, but someone should say it. Go Packers. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like it needs to be said. It's, uh, it's important. <laughs> Hey, uh, can I just ask you guys to give a round of applause to all the volunteers that showed up a little early this morning to get the snow and all the stuff set up. We just want to thank them. Just give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. All the volunteers. Kids, guest services, security. uh, We appreciate you. And and just, I know, you know, Blake and his team, they don't do it for this reason, but let's just thank them with a round of applause for their ministry to us this morning. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So... uh, week two. Man, this is good. It's so good to be here with you guys. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, It used to be normal to go and visit someone if you're in their neighborhood randomly unannounced. You remember those days? I mean, it still happens. And if you, you know, if you still do that, that's fine. But it's not as normal as it used to be, right? You got to give people a heads up. Now you got to text them, let them know you're coming. Um, I'll be honest with you. um, I'm a bit of an introvert. I love my space. (laughs) So I used to have a jacket that I would keep right by my front door. And um, before I had a camera on my doorbell. And if I didn't know who rang the door, um, I would grab that jacket and I'd put it on before I open it. I'd open the door. And if it was someone I wanted to hang out with, I would say, oh, hey, cool, I just got back. Come on in. Come on, let's hang out. Put some tea on or something. Uh, If it was someone I didn't want to see, I would say, hey, listen, I'm just heading out. I just got my jacket on. I'm just now on my way out the door. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm busy. Uh, but, you know, I, okay, it wasn't that rude. It wasn't that bad. But, you know, I was a little bit caught off guard. I like my space, my me time. You know, I'm, I love people. But we all, right? We just, even the most extroverted person, you want your space. You want to, some time to decompress. The, the other uh, thing that's true is when it comes to faith, that's similar too, isn't it? It is hard. It's a hard topic to bring up. And, and it's because people like their space when it comes to their faith naturally. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with this to some degree. Here's why. Because at some degree, your faith is personal. It's a personal story. It deals with existential questions about purpose and about life and death and meaning and values. Those are kind of deep things. Those are deeper things. So I'm never, I'm never going to you know, guilt or or shame any Christian for not having the boldness to talk about faith with people. Um, Because the truth is, as much as we should pray for boldness, and the early church did, I recognize at some level it should always be a little tender. You know, because, because out of respect for those people and their personal stories and journeys, we ought to be gentle. We going to be a little tender about that. Um, and that is probably why the early church often prayed for boldness because it wasn't, it, it was, you needed some boldness to talk about it. You can be bold and gentle at the same time. But faith is personal. So it can be tender and it can be uh, ginger to kind of bring up with people. But here's what's true of the Christian faith. All faith is personal. It's all got personal story to it. But Christian faith is not private. There's a difference between private and, and personal now I'm not saying as Christians we don't do private stuff I'm not saying that in your walk with the Lord as you read the Bible and as you pray that you're not doing that privately I'm not I'm not saying that but what I am saying is this is that the Christian faith is meant to be lived out and experienced and enjoyed in community it, it, you want to know how tight that community of God's people are supposed to be this is how tight it's supposed to be The way that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about it is is Paul writes, we are saved into a body. We represent a body of Christ. Metaphorically and spiritually, we represent metaphorically the body of Christ. Now let me tell you something. I've only broken one bone in my body, and it was my pinky toe. And it was a little, even the x-ray, which I did, I did get x-rays on my pinky toe. Okay, I'm that guy. And and they went through it and they they showed me and it's like a little, it was a little like shard of glass, like it peeled off, the the bone had just broken off and it was kind of poking out into my muscle tissue there. And it wasn't that bad. It was a little tiny microscopic piece of bone. And let me tell you something, my whole body (laughs) knew about it. That little toe hurt so bad, my whole body knew. It's all I could think about. And so that's the kind of closeness we're supposed to have as a church, as God's people. So when, you're, when, you're, when you become a Christian, you're joining now a community, a body of people that's that close. And I'm going I'm to put something out there today, and we're going to go through this. That God's goodness to you, if you're like, man, I, I wish I could know more the goodness of God. God's goodness in your life, I believe, is most profoundly known and experienced when you're living in deep relationships with that community of God's people. So God's goodness to you personally is revealed through God's people communally. And that's where we're gonna be. And here's how significant it is. This is the big deal that God goes to, to show us this. And it starts in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. If you're familiar with this book, it is a poem. It's actually written in poetry. So if you ever read Genesis one and two and you're like, why did I just read that? I feel like we we already read that. There's a chronology issue here. Well, that's because, like poems, it's not necessarily everything in order. It's it's a poetry, so it's going to bob and weave back and forth. It's trying to make a point versus just simply give you all the biology and the facts and the science. There's science in it, but it's not meant to be a science textbook. This is a poem in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that we're going to read. So, it, is, it does have an order to it, and you'll notice it right away. It's a seven-day creation account, day one, day two, day three, day four. Now, here's, here's what happens at the end of each of these milestone markers in these days. God looks down, he pauses, and he makes an assessment. Okay, at each of these milestone markers, he pauses and assesses it. And at each assessment, this is what he says. In fact, it'll be on the screen behind me. I'll look back here. Genesis chapter one. This is one of those milestone markers in verse four. God saw that the light was good. His assessment is this is good. The next milestone marker, God did land here. He did waters and seas and he says, it's good. Then he makes land. It produces vegetation. It's delicious. All, All sorts of trees and plants. And then he says, it's good. And then he also says, it goes further. That uh, he made, he made uh, stars, that uh, he made light that go- governs the day and the night. He separated the light from the darkness. His assessment is it's good. God creates sea creatures and every living thing that scurries on and swarms in the water, birds and things that are flying around, he sees, it's good. I'm sure there were, you know, dogs in there. They were good. I don't know about the cats. They probably weren't, but the dogs were fine. And then he says, wild animals, livestock, it's good. And then he looks at the whole picture. He looks at the entire, entire uh, five-day creation account. Says it's very good. But one of, those, one of those days, God makes people. He starts with Adam. Starts with the first man, Adam. And after he assesses that particular milestone, he has something different to say about it. And it's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Something is not good. What was it specifically? It was not good for the man to be alone. And he goes on and he says, I will make a helper who's just right for him. So God goes to great lengths here to show us every time in, in, in creation, he creates and he stops, he says it's good. And he does this because at one point he wants to teach us something. Not that he made a mistake, but that he's making a point. That it's not good, not that the man isn't good, but it's not good for the man to be alone. And then let me show you the length that God goes to, to make this point even further. He keeps going with this. It says here in Genesis chapter 2, it says, uh, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. The man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Is God making mistakes? No. He's making a point very loud and clear. That community, that relationships are so critical and vital to experience and know the goodness, specifically the goodness of God for people. Now, if you know the end of the story... You know that God makes Eve, and Adam and Eve are the first humans. But it's not a story just about marriage, although they are married. But it's not a story just about that. It's about community. That's what it's about, relationships with other people. And here's what's crazy about this, okay? All of this not-goodness, all the stuff that's not good when, when God's looking at Adam, and you know, they're doing work together, and there's animals, and, Adam's name and all that, All of that is happening before sin Adam hasn't sinned yet there's been no evil in Adam's life where he's doing things that are violent against his relationship with God Adam has a perfect relationship with God he is walking with God perfectly without any sin in the way and yet it's not good He's doing the work with God. He, God's bringing them animals. He's naming them. They're working together. Adam's doing kingdom work. And it's not good. Is it possible to have a perfectly restored, good relationship with God and for there to be more? Like even God says there's more. And that's the point of this sermon today. That's what we're going to talk about. So I want you to do this just so you memorize it. Remember this sermon, okay? I want you to remember this. And by saying it, turn to the person next to you, kind of like we did earlier, where you don't get too close to them. You can, even, you can look at them. That's it. That's so all you can do is just look at them. Don't look at them too long. That's weird. But turn to them and say, There's more. Right now, three, two, one. There's more. Remind them. There's more. Here, you got to remember this, okay? It's possible that adam has a perfect relationship with god and yet there's more where does this show up in the new testament james chapter 5 this is the new testament okay this is where it shows up in james chapter 5 james says this he says confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed now hang on a second he doesn't say forgiven don't read, don't read the Bible so fast. He doesn't say, confess your sins together and, uh, to, to each other and pray for each other so that you might be forgiven. No, 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 James knows what we know because he's talking to other Christians. He's saying, listen, you go to forgiveness for God. God is forgiveness, okay? But God's saying, I want you to go to each other for healing. Don't miss this. You go to God for forgiveness. Look, your relationship with God is forgiven because of what Jesus did on that cross. And that's the only thing that makes you right with God is the only thing. Is Jesus's sacrifice on that cross and you have forgiveness you're fine here you're fine you're forgiven your sins you know you can you're confessing those to God and he's forgiven you but God wants more than forgiveness is that possible God wants more for your life than just you to be right with him and some ticket to heaven. No, no, he wants to do some work in your heart. He wants to heal. He wants to do some goodness in your life. Will you let him do it? Some of us are far too satisfied with a relationship with God that is fully restored, but we're resisting the fullness of his goodness. This is what scripture says. Now, listen, it it doesn't say confess your sins to one another and then try to fix each other. It doesn't say that didn't say confess your sins together, together and then try to counsel each other. Although, I, hey, I'm married to a counselor. We need counseling. We should be in counseling. This is the only way I could afford it was to marry a counselor. That was, with my stuff, I, that was the only way. So I'm all for counseling. But let me tell you something. The Bible says confess your stuff to one another and to, in the church, and we wonder why we're all in counseling. We need to make some space in our lives for us to be able to talk to each other. And then here's the formula. It's not judge the other person it's not condescending to offer them advice and trying to fix it. What does he say? Pray. It's literally, listen. And then say, okay, let me pray for you. I'm going to want to in that through, through prayer. And, and, was, and let me tell you something, I've seen it. I have watched it in my office. Someone comes in and they say, listen, I got to get something off my chest. I just got to tell you something. And all they do, all they do is tell me. And then I didn't go anywhere. I walked walked with them. I love them. I'm there for them. I'm just praying for them. And I've seen it. I mean, I'm shoulders relaxed, they, they breathe deep, deeper. I mean, relationships are healed. I mean, stuff comes out that was causing problems in a relationship. It comes out, and now the relationship is getting healed. Maybe they're even sleeping better at night. So maybe there is even some physical healing because they're sleeping better now. They got this thing off their, tr- their tr- I've seen it. I'm, t- I'm convinced talking about stuff is good. And listen, the formula is just, hey, that's all it is. Walk with them. Be there. Pray with them. That's it. That's it. There's more. Now, listen, like, I still, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'd rather just show up on Sunday. You know, we're kicking this Hortonville thing off. I'd rather just be show up, sing, do the music. That's good. And I'll just, in my own private life, work on my stuff with God. And, and you can. You're going to be forgiven. I mean, listen, your relationship with God is fine that way. You just work, forgiveness is with Him. But God wants more. You want to know how important this is to God? You want to know how important this is? John chapter 13. This is where we're going to hang out. This is where we're going to land the plane today in John 13. This chapter in the book of John is Jesus's last night, okay? If you've ever been with somebody on the, on, the, on the precipice of death, you know they're not wasting time when they're talking to you. John chapter 13. This is the last supper. He knows. Jesus knows. He's got hours with his people, Before he goes to the cross. He knows that. And so he's not wasting time. And he's not going to just talk about small chat. He's giving them what is most important to him. That's what he's doing right now. What do you think is most important to Jesus? Let me tell you what's most important to him. It's something that he does that reveals it. But here it is. It's your goodness. It's these people. His disciples. It's their goodness. You tell me what. You ask me what I want to do for my last night. You have all my friends gather around. It's going to be all about Brian be what I want to do, what I want to say, what I want to talk about, what I want to eat, what my last meal is going to be. For Jesus, he's all about the goodness and the blessing of his own followers. That's how, that's how focused he is on serving and loving people. In his last hour, that's all he's caring about. And this is how he shows it in a particular action. is what he does. He grabs a towel, fills a, uh, a basin full of water, and he invites his followers to step up while he washes their feet. And of course, they resist initially. As, as most of us would. Listen, um, this is, in the ancient world, this wasn't weird, as it sounds, you know, washing people's feet. If I had you over for dinner, let's so say we come over tonight for the game, we watch the game, I say, hey, stay for dinner. You say, cool, I'll stay for dinner. And I say, awesome. Hey, um, before we start, just grab your shoes, take your shoes off, and uh, I'll get the water and the towel and I'm gonna wash your feet. That'd be weird, right? That'd be the last time that you ever come over to my house for dinner. If I do that to you, right? It's weird in our culture, but in the ancient world, it wasn't weird. And I'll tell you why it wasn't weird. Because in our culture, this is true. No one wants to smell that stuff while we're trying to smell and enjoy the good stuff, right? Scent and taste are connected. So you wash those things before we eat together because the ancient world, they didn't have shoes. And if they did, they were kind of straps of leather. They weren't waterproof. They weren't like high quality stuff. This is, they wore basically cloth or fabric. And, and here's the other thing about the ancient world. They had animals for transportation, okay? And animals do stuff in the street. And they have livestock everywhere. Livestock's everywhere, right? And there's no storm drain, storm sewers. When it rains, when the street, when it rains in the dirt, what you put in the dirt over here gets washed over to the dirt over there and everywhere, right? I've been in Africa when it rains, in Burkina Faso, Africa. When that rain comes, everything that was in the gross part of town goes up, and then spreads all over town. It's just what happens. There's no, there's no infrastructure for that in the ancient world. So just simply going outside in whatever you've got on your feet is going to affect your feet. You're going to step in stuff. Just being outside, you can't help it. Because the world is a mess. And in life, no matter it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what your job is, what your background is, you walk outside, you're going to step in things along the way in life that's just what happens So being a humanist so jesus before dinner he volunteers for that job and that job is reserved for the lowest guy on the rung of the ladder that's typically reserved for a servant who's working off a debt so he can't you know pay it financially so he's paying it off through service that's usually when the servant comes in and washes everybody's feet jesus is saying no listen whoever does this is the, most, is the greatest in the kingdom. He said that in the past, now he's demonstrating it to them, that the one who serves at the lowest rung of the ladder is the greatest in the kingdom. You want to know what the, what the, who the top of the food chain is in Hortonville Alliance Church? It's the guy who walks into the room and says, what's the job no one wants? And then looks for it and finds it and does it. That's what, that's what it is in the kingdom. In, in the body of Christ, it's just the lowest is actually the highest. And Jesus models it. And after he gets done... Despite his disciples not wanting to do it. After he gets done. It says this. After washing their feet. Put on his robe again. He sat down and he asked. Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. Because that's what I am. But since I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. For you. Um. he washes their feet, and then he actually says, a few verses later, he says, a new commandment I give to you, love each other just as I have loved you. He says that right as their feet are wet. They're still wet. And they're saying, just as I've loved you, I want you to love each other. So this is, this is what he's telling us to do. He's saying, listen, I metaphorically Wash your feet I will Physically he did it to these disciples But he's telling them, listen, it's not about feet washing It's not about a physical act He's basically saying, love each other At the worst In the worst areas of their life in, When those places, the spiritual feet Show up in your friendship I want you to love each other I want you to love each other Through when, you're, when your soul's feet Which just will pick up stuff Walking around, you can't help it Just walking around town, that soul's gonna pick stuff up I want you to love each other, even when that shows up to the party. The hardest part about this, for us, if we're honest, it's not washing the feet, right? I mean, some of us, man, we will, we will hide behind washing other people's feet all day long. We'll, we'll gladly wash other people's feet, if it at least can give people the impression that our feet are fine. You see, the hard part is not being willing to wash other people's feet. It's doing the hard part of taking the shoe off and sitting there and just letting somebody else wash, care for, heal through their prayer and support the feet of your spiritual life. That is the hard part, right? If we're honest. And this is why. The difference between reputation and character we love to make sure our reputation is good but the difference between reputation and character is your reputation is who people think you are your character is who you really are your character involves your whole self it involves your head, your rippling biceps like these here that's not meant to be a joke but some of you laughed and I heard it but it also involves your feet it's all of you And the problem is this, is that the more you live life, the more the real you and your real feet are going to pick up real stuff. That's going to happen. You can't help that. Listen, just walking around is going to do it. So it's going to pick up stuff. And the longer you let people or you keep people from letting them help, wash, pray over, support you in those feet, the longer you do that, what ultimately happens is the gap between your reputation and your feet and your character and who you really are gets wider who you really are, and who people think you are, that gap gets wider. And let me tell you something, I have been there, the wider that gap gets, the more you not only begin to resent your character that's just picking up stuff, you not only begin to resent the feet that you're standing in, but you begin to resent that reputation too. It gets harder to maintain that thing, right? It gets more exhausting, and the difference between that, that reputation and you gets so wide. And here's what happens. People love and affirm you. They come up, they tell you nice things, they, 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 they show affection to you, they support you, your friends are supportive of you, but really, you know, the only you that they know is that reputation. And you know what? It does not feel good. It does not feel like love to have people love the person they think you are and not know the person you really are. That doesn't feel like love. That actually is quite lonely. And the gap between you and who you really are, the wider that gets, it's killing you. And if you don't kill that gap, it's going to kill you. Because you're going to hate the character. You're going to hate and resent that reputation. And I'm telling you, you end up going to end up hating yourself. And that is the definition, right? The definition of loneliness is when you don't even want to be with yourself. You don't think I know this? Listen, you don't, think, you don't think there's a strong temptation to be an Episcopal, to have the reputation to keep that thing up and keep that thing going? This is, this is my world. I struggle with this. And I need you guys as much as you need me. Because here's the deal. No matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter your story, no matter your last name, you walk. And when you walk, you pick up stuff. And you need people going to be around you to love you, support you, and pray for you. So, here's what we know. This is what we know. The real God, who is real, who shows up and presents Himself to you as real, like, oh my goodness, this is this isn't just a a good fuzzy feeling. This is God's activity in my life. A real God will only show up in your life when you're being real, and when you're being real people. So, as much as we love church on Sundays, and we should keep coming, keep coming, make this a part of the rhythm. Make room in your life for relationships. And these rows are good, but let me tell you something. For relationships, they're hard. It's hard to make friends in rows. Rows are good for facing forward, for listening to somebody, for praying, for worshiping, and talking to God through through that worship. But let me tell you something. Talking to each other happens in a circle. And you can't microwave a relationship. It takes time. You got to give it some time. You got to keep coming. Keep checking out. We're going to be launching small groups. We're going to be giving you more places to volunteer and connect. Not because we need chairs set up. But because we need to create space for this church. To be a place where there's community and relationships and healing. And here it is. The goodness. The goodness of God in our life. You are more than the sum total of what you step in. You know that what you step in does not define you, no matter what it is, no matter what you say, It doesn't define you. And no matter how much of it you step in, because here's the truth we know. It comes off when you let Jesus deal with it. When you follow his, his command to find healing with other people, it comes off, it gets dealt with. So it doesn't define you. What defines you is what's underneath there, which is the image of God that you bear. Close with this, this story I met with a guy, actually, I didn't meet with a guy. I was meeting with somebody at a restaurant, but that's not the guy I want to share about. The waiter uh, that we had was um, one of those guys that, uh, you know, came up to the table a lot. I was good. He was always checking on us, always making sure we had stuff, but he was there a lot, and we had a lot of stuff, and we were fine. But anyway, we started talking to him. And you know, as a pastor, I'm always curious. So we started talking to him, getting to know him a little bit. He started sharing the story of of the last year. He actually had saved up a bunch of money and done one of those things where you quit your job and you hike around, right? You quit your job and you hike around. I I ran this by Hannah the other day. She didn't like it, so it sounds kind of scary to her. But you basically, you save up, and then you go. And he planned it out. He marked out all the places he was going to go. He was going to backpack and essentially just enjoy the, the na- nature. He wanted to do four seasons in America in all the different national parks. He loved the, just the beauty of nature. You guys know, have you ever been in a majestic part of a, of a national park or a state park? It's, beauty. it's beautiful, right? Well, he had done this, and he'd saved up to do a year of it. And he said, well, I just got back, and I, I was only out for four months. Saved up the whole year, saved up for it. It, it, it. I asked him, I said, would you run out of money? He said, no. I guess, did you, did you get sick? Did you get hurt? He goes, no, it wasn't that. I said, why did why you, four months, I mean, you saved up all, all year for this? You planned all this? Was it not as good? He goes, no, it was amazing. It was beautiful. The views, I mean, I was waking up to sunrises and the majestic mountains of the Grand Tetons. I was hiking across rivers and Yellowstone. It was beautiful. It was breathtaking. So said, why, why why'd, you, why'd you come four months into it? And he said, well, and he actually kind of got emotional. He said, you know, it just, it just wasn't the same experience and all that alone. Beautiful mountains, beautiful. It, it, his goal in life was to do this thing, and he did it. Less than halfway through, he realizes it's nothing unless I'm doing it with somebody. It's nothing unless there's a person with me to experience this thing with. Listen, I I just believe that's a beautiful picture of us right now. I've been there. We've all been there. Where you're doing the Lord's work, just like Adam. You're working with God. God's bringing you stuff, and you're doing it. Your relationship with him is restored in Christ. But let me tell you something. There's more, and you know it. There's more goodness. And God's nudging you this morning. It's like, I want you to get involved. I want you to keep going to that church. I want you to join something when they start a, a group. I want you to build some friendships. Stay a little longer and talk to people. Why? Because God's got some goodness for you. Maybe the reason church has not been what you thought it would be for you. My question is, did you let people in to wash the souls of your spiritual life, the souls of your feet? Did you give them access to that? Because let me tell you something, God does want healing. Maybe not physical, maybe relational, maybe emotional, maybe some mental healing, whatever. God wants healing, but he does it through people he does it through us i need this as much as you guys need this we all need this because wherever we go we're walking and we're gonna pick up stuff and it doesn't define us but man it can slow us down and god has more let's pray lord i'm in a room full of people And Lord, you know, we drift. We're always drifting. We're always picking up stuff. That's how it is. It's everywhere. It's all around us in this world. It's a broken place. And we step in things. We don't even realize we step in until we get home, Lord. We just, we don't know. But God, you've given us people. You've given us the answer. And you were the one that told us to do it for each other, to wash each other, to serve each other, to support and pray for each other. Lord, I love this church so much, but Lord, I want it to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. I want it to show people that we belong to you. And Lord, it's your word that says the only way that happens is by the way we love each other. So would we do it here, Lord, with this beginning, the launch of this church, would it not be marked entirely by its music or the preaching But would it be marked by people finding the goodness of you? The goodness of you, the healing power of you that comes through the love and the support of other believers, other Christians, making room, getting to know each other and loving each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll end with this. And I mentioned it in my prayer The verse that we read earlier, where Jesus says, so now I give you a new commandment. He says, love each other as I have loved you. You should love each other. The very next verse, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Well, church, as we love each other, as we serve each other this week, let's let the world see that this is a place that belongs to Jesus. And the way we show that is by making room for us to love and support each other, even the feet. So let's do that this week. Be blessed. We'll see you next week, church. Take care.